really cool. Um, we've been talking over the past uh, several weeks about um, just different aspects of God and different aspects of His character, and really looking at uh, just how He is, as you can see, He's better than you could ever imagine. And honestly, I mean, this is kind of for me, just taking some of the, the things about who God is and some of the things that I have just loved to preach over the years and just kind of like going out with, okay, here's, here's what I don't want you to forget about who God is and just how good He is and some things that even for me personally in, in my faith journey have just really stood out and where God has really met me. And, and uh, one of the most uh, basic fundamental aspirations that all of us have in life is peace. We all want peace want peace. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you are uh, conservative or liberal. It doesn't, none of that stuff matters. Um, we all long for peace. And this, this, this idea of peace is a very big part of scripture. In fact, in Bible times and even in Jewish culture today, they have a word uh, that describes peace called, uh, the word is shalom. And it's a word that talks about peace, but it's actually got a much broader meaning than just uh, what we might think of when we think of peace. That word shalom speaks of completeness. It speaks of integration. It speaks of harmony and prosperity and well-being in all aspects of life. But all of us, we long for peace. Peace is what you have when you're graduating this year. And even though the future is full of uncertainty, you're not sure how all the pieces are going to come together. You know that God is with you. You know that God is walking before you. And deep down inside, you have peace. Hey, there's all of our awesome graduates. Woo! <laughs> peace. Um, peace is what happens when your kids are getting along with each other. They're resolving their differences with gentleness and kindness. They're not throwing their toys across the, the room at each other. Um, there's, there's peace. Peace is what happens when you're living out God's plans and purposes for your life. You're doing what you were made to do. You're making a difference in the world around you and your strengths, who you are, how you're created to be is integrated with your, your work world and how, how you live. There's peace. Peace is what happens when your soul isn't afraid or worried. You're not, you're not tossing and turning at all hours of the night. You're not, you're not self-medicating to get rid of the tension that's in your chest. Instead, you're confident, you're hopeful, you're at rest. That's, that's peace. Peace is what happens when you're content with what you have. You're not constantly caught up in the rat race of life trying to get that next bigger this and that next bigger that just wanting more possessions more home more car you're content with the friends and the family that you have you're at rest in the love of god instead of constantly being stuck um, wanting more you just there's there's uh, there's peace your soul is at at rest there's shalom there's a sense of of completeness and you don't have to answer this out loud this morning but i wonder would you be able to say that you have complete confidence that you have peace that you have peace deep down inside of here you have peace up here do you have that are you experiencing shalom when it comes to your spiritual your social relational uh, um, personal well-being are you someone who's flourishing or are you languishing there's just you're struggling is there harmony in your marriage is there harmony with your children are you at peace in your relationship with god is there wholeness in your life that brings peace, or is it fragment, fragmented, incomplete? And today, guess what? God wants you to know, and He wants you to experience 
his peace. Not peace like the world gives it, but peace as he gives it. And today, we read one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, it's a text that I've preached on several times over the years. Um, a familiar story where, where we see Jesus, <clears throat> he's experiencing, experiencing a peace that's not only better than we could ever imagine, it's a peace that, that's better than we ever thought possible to, to have. And uh, we started this whole series uh, with a story about Jesus that involved a boat, and it involved water, and it involved waves and storms, and all that kind of stuff. And this story is similar. It involves Jesus in a boat, and waves, and water, and all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to get into it. The story starts off like this. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Jesus spent the entire day preaching uh, to the crowd. The crowds on this particular day had grown so large that Jesus decided with his disciples, okay, I need to get off the shore. I'm going to hop in a boat, use that boat kind of like a stage, and he preached from the stage. But then it starts to get late, and so Jesus wraps up things, and he tells his disciples to head to the other side of the lake. Very similar, actually, if, if you were here week one of the series, you would probably go, that, Rich, we've already read this story. It's the exact same story that we read in, in week one. But it's actually a different story, but there are a lot of similarities. One, the, the story read in week one, Jesus did, does the exact same thing. It's getting late in the evening, and Jesus says to the disciples, hey, head on over to the other side of the lake. As fishermen, they're going, okay, Jesus, this is a really bad idea. It's dark. Let's not do that. Let's wait till the morning. Um, but Jesus says, let's head out into the, the lake at the worst time of the day. There, it's going to be dark. And I wonder, what, what is with Jesus in sending people out into uncomfortable, risky situations? Is he trying to get these guys killed, or is he trying to teach them a really important lesson? We're going to find that out in a second. Next, the Bible says that leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. So in the week one story, they didn't take Jesus with them. Remember, Jesus stayed behind. This time, Jesus is in the boat with them, and there were also other boats with him. So there's the disciples' boat, Jesus is there, and then there's a bunch of other boats. Um, you don't hear a lot about these other boats. We don't exactly know what these other boats were there for. Are they like the ancient paparazzi with their telephoto lens on Jesus, trying to catch a shot of him? Uh, we don't really know. And the Bible goes on to say that pretty soon, a furious, not a gentle or a kind of bad, but a furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It seems like rowing a boat across the lake in the dark is actually a bad idea. idea. Um, Jesus should have known better. Um, the Sea of Galilee is notorious for these unexpected windstorms. It's a hot, arid climate. And if you've ever been around a hot, arid climate, you know how the weather can just flip really quick from being a gentle, calm, blue sky day to all of a sudden you have the wind howling in. The palm trees or whatever kind of trees are just swaying in the wind. Uh, and, and everything goes from calm and tranquil to just furious. Things are going crazy. Um, I've only ever been caught out in a terrifying storm, well, a couple times in my life, but one of them that I re remember really well, I was about seven, and my dad will remember this, and I think my mom was there as well, but my, my parents um, had a little 16-foot, it was 16-foot boat, 14-foot boat. <laughs> if you ever see me do some crazy stuff, and you're scratching your head, why are you living like, it's not a very good, that's where I get it from right here. So we had a 
14-foot boat. How big is 14 feet? Well, that's eight feet, so add another six feet onto that. Let's just say it was a really small boat, and we lived on the north end of Vancouver Island, and so uh, we spent a lot of our summer days out fishing and just kind of exploring all the coves, and the, we, we find these amazing spots where it's just like sandy beaches and shells and crabs and all this kind of stuff. That's kind of how I spent my childhood. Well, one of these days, uh, we were out a little bit later, and I didn't talk to my dad about this story beforehand, so I might be getting a couple pieces uh, a little out of whack, but all I remember as a kid is that it started to get dark, and as it started to get dark, the wind began to pick up, and we, we had this little light on the front of our, our boat. I don't remember if it worked or not, but we had a little light on the front of our boat, and we're heading back into the, the dock, and all I remember, though, is the, the, it was getting dark, and our boat was rocking back and forth like this, and I was just so terrified. I thought we were going to drown. I remember being on the side, and as it, as it rocked down, we got like, it seemed like we were this far from the waves and the water, and I just thought this is the end of our lives. Now, granted, I was a little kid. It could have been a lot calmer, maybe a gentle breeze, and I was just freaking out. I don't know. But it seemed like, it seemed to me like it was a furious squall, and waves were crashing over the boat, and I was terrified. Well, at least we had a light. You know, back in, in this day with Jesus and his disciples, Thomas Edison had not come along yet. He would be another 1,800 years. It would have been pitch black for these guys. And in those situations, if you've ever been in that kind of situation, there's no peace. It is just fear, anxiety. You are like white-knuckling it, hanging on for dear life. And life is full of these kind of moments where gentle waves lapping on the shore can quickly turn to crazy waves threatening to flip over the boat of life, so to speak. Um, maybe it starts with an argument with um, your spouse about buying another pair of shoes, and then she reminds you about all the money that you spend. Next thing you know, voices are raised, hurtful things are said, and there's this cold, distant silence. And that argument, by the way, has never happened in my home, just, just so you know. Or maybe you go down to the doctor for your regular checkup, and uh, that minor pain in your chest, they say there's gonna, you're going to have to come back for some more tests, and next thing you know, um, the diagnosis has drastically changed your life. And, and I've noticed some things about how waves arrive that, that rob us of peace. Um, I think there's, there's really four different ways that th these kind of, kinds of waves can, can come up in our lives. Um, sometimes the waves come as a result of our bad choices. And I was being nice there. I could have said actually foolish or stupid choices. But we make some choices in life often that, that cause some waves to start to crash over the boat. Maybe you mismanage your finances and you rack up the credit cards and now you're filled with worry. There's no peace. It's just how in the world am I going to pay off all this debt? Or maybe you let an addiction to a drug or to your screen or your job become your God and you're just, you're trapped, you're hooked. It just keeps you knotted inside and you just can't escape and inside there's just no peace. Those are the kind of waves that just, they come as a result of our own bad, foolish, stupid, or sinful choices that we make in life. And then waves often come as a result of simply following Jesus. The disciples here are following Jesus. Jesus says, hey, let's head on over to the other side. And they get in the boat, and next thing you know, as a result of following Jesus, there are some waves that come crashing in, the furious storm, all that kind of stuff. And, and they follow him and experience uh, the waves. 
Um, my family, if I'm being really honest with you, has had some of these waves lately where we feel like God is leading us into this next season of life and a lot of change and transition. And we have had moments where it's like, what in the world, God, are you leading us into here and away from? And it's tension and it's turmoil and there's that tightness in my chest and just, God, what in the world? These are some waves that come as a result of, of just following Jesus. And then there's waves that, that come that God will send often as a way of kind of getting us back on track with the plan that he has for our, li our lives. Remember the story of Jonah? Jonah is supposed to go to the city of Nineveh. He's supposed to preach, repent. But Jonah's like, no way am I doing that. I'm actually going to head off to Spain where I'm going to sip strawberry margaritas all day. You know, keep my toes just in the sand. And no way I'm doing that. But God, through a bunch of, he, he sends some literal waves, a big fish, to get Jonah back on track with the plan that God has for his, his life. Quick side note, if you find yourself in a storm, have the humility to ask God, hey, have I gotten off track with what you have for my life? Where do I need to change to get back on track? And then sometimes the waves, they just sneak up out of absolutely nowhere. You get an unexpected call. You get an unexpected diagnosis from the doctor. You get an unexpected visit to the boss's office that you weren't planning on. And just like that, the seas that were calm the seas that were just flat, maybe gentle breeze blowing, suddenly turns into a raging storm of fear and worry. And what does God say to us in the storm? He comes along with these words for us. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness or peace, as some translations say. Everything coming together for good, this is shalom, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And we're going, really, God? Do you have any idea of just how big the storm is that is happening in my life? God, do you have any idea how big the waves are right now? Do you have any idea how bad things are? God, if you did, you would not come along and say, hey, don't worry. Don't fret. Instead of worrying, pray. To which Jesus comes along, and he says, you, you might not think, you know, or you might think I don't know how bad the storms can get, but I actually do. Um, Jesus in this story, remember, where's he at? He's not on shore. He's not walking on the water like week one. He's there in the boat with them. And the Bible says Jesus was in the storm, or stern, sleeping on a cushion. Incredible. The disciples' lives are coming to an end. The Titanic is beginning to sink. It's looking really, really bad. And what is Jesus doing? He is sleeping on a cushion, having a nice little snooze. It's like he's getting some drops of water, maybe some mist in the face, and he's just brushing it off in his sleep, and he's got a little content smile on his face as the boat just gently rocks from side to side, and, and who knows what's going on. But Jesus is not afraid. He's not anxious. He's having the sleep of his life. I mean, he's been teaching all day. He's like, you guys deal with this storm. I'm going to have a little nap. He is experiencing, though, he's experiencing peace. And this is, this is where we want to get to this morning. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of just how anxious, how fearful, how, how much turmoil you have in your, your heart and mind when you think about the future, when you think about your circumstances, whatever's going on, this is where we want to get to this morning. Sweet peace in the going on 
in your life. And the Bible goes on to say that the disciples, they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're freaking out. You know, there's nothing more annoying in life than when you're freaking out over a situation and others around you lack what you deem to be an appropriate level of concern. You ever have this happen before? Um, I think I've shared this story before, but I'll never forget the day as a teenager. Um, I was, uh, I just about burnt the house down. And uh, my brothers and I, we were watching the classic movie, Spies Like Us. And, uh, and uh, while we were watching the movie, I was making some homemade french fries. And uh, I was kind of going back and forth between the kitchen, put the oil in the pan and whatever, or the pot. And then I'd go back and watch a little bit more of the movie. Well, I guess Dan Aykroyd and, and Chevy Chase were just way too entertaining. And I completely lost track of time. And so I went back into the kitchen to check on the oil, see if it was hot enough to put the, the, the french fries in. And there was this itty-bitty little flame on top of the, the oil. Well, that flame, it, I'm down the house for the amount of panic that set inside my soul. I saw that little flame, and I absolutely freaked out. Um, I, I did what everyone does when you see fire. You get a bucket of water, and you immediately douse out the flames, right? And obviously, you're smart people here because you know exactly where this is going. <laughs> well, the water—by the way, if you don't know that water and oil don't go well to, in fire, those three together. If you see fire on oil, don't get water, okay? Bad idea. It might as well have been me throwing a bucket of gasoline onto the, 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 that little itty-bitty flame. Because when I did— that little itty-bitty flame went poof. Uh, our roof actually had black scorch marks on it. And my panic went to a whole different level. I was so panicky and so terrified that I didn't even notice that all this oil had splashed all over my arm and had immediately, like, bu it bubbled up within a matter of, of, of seconds. And, and just before I jetted out the door, I'm like, I got to get some help from our neighbors. Because I I, I'm like too freaking out here. I got to get some help from the neighbors. And just before I jetted out the door, I looked at my younger brother, who was a total picture of calm. And he said, well, I guess the house is going to burn down. <laughs> just like that. And then he goes back in and he finishes watching Spies Like Us. I could have smacked him. But I was so busy saving our family's home that I did not, I, just, I went out the door, I'm like, whatever, so off I went. Well, the disciples, when they see Jesus sleeping, they have a very similar reaction, like, Jesus, don't you care? We are all going to die, and you're here sleeping in this boat. They are not at peace. You know, there's a, uh, there are right questions to ask of fear, worry, anxiety, whatever it is that's robbing you of your peace. There's right questions to ask in that moment, and there's some questions that aren't necessarily the best questions to be asking. Um, a wrong question, but one that we ask all the time, is God, don't you care? God, don't you care? And the only reason that we ask that question to begin with is because we either have, we either doubt him, or we've lost sight of who he is, we've lost sight of his character, we question what he's, he's, he's doing, and so we ask him, just like the disciples did in this, this story, God, don't you care? Don't you care? And now God is not offended at all by that question, um, as we're going to see in a minute. But there's better questions to be asking, better places to be setting your heart and your mind when you're on some kind of, in, in some kind of storm that is robbing you of peace in life. 
Um, a better question or questions to ask would be, what does God's word have to say about my circumstance or my situation? A better question would be to ask, God, where are you in all this that's going on right now in my life? And for the, the 12 disciples who had the living, breathing word, the word of God for them was crystal clear. Um, remember what Jesus had said. He had said to them, let's go to the other side. And when Jesus says you're going to the other side, it doesn't matter what happens in life. It doesn't matter how crazy things, things might get. When God says you're going to the other side, guess what? You are going to get to the other side. And along the way, he doesn't promise that it's going to be an easy trip, but he does promise that he will get us there. That in that in itself brings peace when you've learned that God is someone that can be trusted. It brings a peace. He doesn't promise that you won't get fired. He doesn't promise that your kids will always make smart decisions. Um, he doesn't promise that nobody's ever going to hurt you. He doesn't promise that your house won't be foreclosed. But the, for the follower of Jesus, he does make some incredible promises that can bring calm no matter how bad the storm is. And two of the best are, I am with you always to the very end of the age, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a promise. Take it to the bank. And you know why I think Jesus allowed them to go through this storm? It wasn't to test them, but it was, it was to teach them. You see, the day was going to be coming, not too far in the distant future, where the disciples would not have Jesus in, in the boat with them. In fact, the very next test was the one that we actually read about in week one, where Jesus was going to send them off while he prayed, and then he was going to join them later on that night as he comes walking to them on the water. But very similar story, where it's wind and waves. But Jesus knows that they're not always going to have him right there with them. With, he's not going to be with them in physical form. He's going to ascend back up into heaven. And when he does, they're going to face really bad persecution. They're going to face... Um, a, an, an angry mob that wants to kill them because they're preaching the gospel. They're going to face the pressures and the stresses that go with being leaders in this fledgling movement called, called the church. He knows that th there's going to be some, some storms that are going to come, some persecution, church division, even martyrdom for the sake of Christ. And Jesus knew that they would face all these storms of a different sort, and he knew that they wouldn't be able to look and see him right there in the boat it might even seem at times like he was, would be sleeping. And Jesus wanted to teach them a lesson. And the lesson is this. When, when fear and worry threaten to drown you, you, you have to remember who's with you, and you have to go to him. Remember who's with you and go to him. This is not brand new for anybody here in the room this morning, unless you're brand new to this Christian faith thing and maybe exploring. But if you've been around the church, this is, this is like... Christianity 101. When you're going through something in life, don't just row the boat faster and harder. What do you do? You turn and you look to Jesus. But we have to be reminded about this all the stinking time. All the time. I can't tell you how many moments, even just in the last couple months, where I'm freaking out because of the uncertainty and just trying to, like, manage everything in my own strength and wisdom and that gentle whisper comes along hey rich i'm right here i'm not i'm not you, you might think i'm sleeping and that i don't really care but i'm right here i'm right i'm right here i'm right here with you saint augustine he said that 
um, he said that when we allow life to overcome us, Christ sleeps in us. Such a good line. When we allow life to overcome us, Christ sleeps in us. We forget Christ at such times. Let us then remember him. Let us awake him. He will speak. He will rebuke the tempest in the soul, and there will be a great calm. There will be shalom. There will be peace when we go, oh, wait, he's, he's with me, and he's not sleeping. But he's, he's very much there. He does not slumber or sleep, the Bible says. The disciples wake Jesus up. The Bible says that he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down. It was completely calm. And then he went back to sleep and just crashed for another couple hours to make up for lost time. No. It doesn't say that, actually. Because he, he was not just concerned about the circumstantial storm that was happening, the wind and the waves. There was, there was some other storms that he wanted to teach them about and how to, how to deal with these storms even more than he wanted to teach them how to deal with the storms out here. He, 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 he deals with the wind. He deals with the waves, rebukes them. They die down. It's completely calm. And then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And there, I, I don't think in this moment they really catch the lesson he's trying to teach here. There's, the Bible says they were terrified. In, I mean, a whole different terror. And they ask each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? But interesting, isn't it? Jesus calms all the storms. He calms all the wind and the waves and all that stuff. And then he turns his attention to the greater danger. The fear and the worry and the doubt and all the stuff in their souls that's lurking right there and it's robbing them of shalom. It's robbing them of peace. Listen, Jesus is far more interested in you having peace on the inside than he is in having you having peace on the outside. He is far more interested in you having peace on the inside than you having peace on the outside. Because no matter how much you try to like get all the ducks in a row on the outside, no matter how much you try to get your life all configured just right and take care of all the things that are coming down the road, there is always going to be moments in life where something comes along, a storm, and it hits you out of nowhere. And if your peace is coming in your heart and mind just because you have your life all figured out and it's all put together, in those moments you, you will be shaken. And what Jesus wants you to know is, hey, there's a there's actually a way better peace that you can have. A peace that, 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 that happens way down inside of your heart and soul. And, and that's the kind of peace he's after. And this kind of peace, it only comes to your life when you look around at the circumstances of your life and you go, there are storms, there are challenges, there's conflict, there's turmoil, but he's still king. And I submit to him in his way. I follow him. I'll trust in him. I'll call on him. For all of you graduates that are heading off into life, heading off out of, out, you're leaving the home, you're heading off into this big wide world, you are going to have lots of moments when you leave where your heart and your soul is going, what in the world am I doing? I just want to head back to, to the house. I just want to be there in my bedroom. I want to have all my friends around me that I've always known. And you, there, there, there will be turmoil and strife. And what God is asking you to do in those moments is, is to look to him. To look to him, to, to awaken him, so to speak, and to go to him and to, to pour out your heart to him and then to follow him and trust him along the way. 
It's trusting, it's trusting that he is a good king over every situation. He reigns over whatever kind of turmoil is happening in your heart and mind. That is the kind of king that he is. And, and, and sometimes we say we believe that, but when we get in a situation where he doesn't appear to be ruling and reigning, we, we just forget. We're all tied up in knots. Meanwhile, the prince of peace is right there in the boat the whole entire time. The one who made the wind and the waves is right there. The one who can do anything, he's right there. It might even seem like he's sleeping, but he is not. He's just waiting for you to go to him. He's just waiting for us to call on him. Call on him. You know, the, the disciples looked at Jesus who's laying in the boat there, and they mistook his peace. Is that a word, mistook? They mistook his peace. They mistook his, his peace for apathy. Like, he just didn't care. He just off doing his own thing, off out there. We do that all the time. We just, and where's God in this situation? He just must not care at all. They made a mistake of thinking that Jesus was apathetic, but Jesus is never apathetic about our situation. How do I know that? The Bible says, Jesus said, are, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? These are birds. Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very heads of your, hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. He could have added on there, just, you can have peace. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many, many sparrows. And then in 1 Peter, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He is good. He cares. He cares. He cares. He cares for you. In the middle of your storm, Jesus isn't at peace because he's apathetic. Jesus is at peace. He's at peace because he's almighty God. Why would he be in the boat freaking out about the wind and the waves? He's almighty God. And when you run to him and you call on his name, his peace, his peace can become your peace. And then as you live your life trusting God, trusting in God's love, trusting that his, 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 his goodness and love is going to follow you all the days of your life, when you trust in him, his peace actually grows in your life. It grows. That's why it's called, a, it's one of the nine fruit of the Spirit. Because the more that you abide in Him and the more that you trust Him and go to Him, that peace actually grows. That peace grows in your life. And, and as, as it grows, it just, you begin to flourish with peace. Um, I, I think I can share this, but uh, I was talking with John Garner this morning, and in this last week, Darlene uh, lost her sister. Uh, she passed away from leukemia. And, but she was a believer in Jesus. And John was just describing to me how this last Monday, as she was in hospice, just how there was just, she was talking and had this incredible peace about her. That is what happens when you anchor your life in Jesus. The peace grows until you get to that point where you're lying on your deathbed, and rather than fear and anxiety at, at death, you're like Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not, I don't fear because he's with me. And I've learned that he can be trusted. I've learned that he is who he says that he is. I've learned that I can have hope in him. My confidence can be in him. I don't have to be rattled even when I'm on death's doorstep. That is the kind of God that we serve. And most of the turmoil and unrest that we experience in our souls would stop if we really understood just how powerful our God is. If we really understood just how great his love is 
for us if we really understood how good he is and if we simply chose to just rest in, trust him, look to him. Don't leave him sleeping, so to speak, in the boat, but, but go to him and call on him. And when we do that, he gives us this gift of incredible peace that transcends all understanding. And he wants you and me to have that today. And it can be yours. It can be yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for your peace. Lord, I thank you so much that, Jesus, regardless of what kind of chaos, what kind of, um, what kind of furious squalls might arise in our lives, that, Jesus, we can have just an incredible peace and an incredible confidence in you in the middle of whatever might be going on. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Because you're faithful, because your promises are true, because you're with us, and, and because you are almighty God, you're a good shepherd who leads us. And I, I just thank you so much for the peace that comes as we, we abide in you and we turn to you and we trust in you. And Lord, this morning, you know, the, you, you know where each heart and soul is at today. Um, Lord, maybe there are those who are here or listening online whose heart and souls are just full of everything that's the opposite of peace. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's confusion. Um, maybe, Lord, they are in a relationship. Maybe it's with a spouse or with the kids, parents. There's disharmony. There's just no peace. And God just has their, their heart and soul, Lord, in a, in a mess right now. Maybe they're doubting you. They're questioning, do you even care? But God, I want to ask that, Lord, right now, here in this moment, that Jesus, a shift would begin to happen inside their heart and soul. God, I pray that a shift would begin to happen where they turn to you, they look to you, they see you for who you really are, they see that you really are a God who, who sits on the throne, who's not anxious up in heaven, who's not scurrying around, who's not pulling his hair out, but God, you sit on your throne where you rule and you reign with love and goodness and justice and righteousness. And God, I pray that, that Jesus, that would bring peace, knowing that, that that king, that savior, that shepherd who loves them, who cares about them far more than he even cares about the, the sparrows, God, may that just bring a peace. May that bring a, a peace. God, I especially want to pray, Jesus, for those, God, who are graduating this weekend. God, we're so proud of all of our graduates. And God, we know that they all have, are going different directions in the next, in the next year. But God, I want to pray, Jesus, just a blessing over them. Bless them. Keep them. God, may their hearts just be anchored in you. God, when all the stuff of the world, God, comes crashing in on them. God, whether that's fear, whether that's worry, whether that's beliefs and doctrines that are just uh, completely opposed to the word of God, to truth. God, whether that's just friendships that go sideways. God, I don't know what it might be, but God, I pray that you remind them, God, that this moment, God, would just pop into their mind where you remind them, God, of who you are, where they, they go to you. They don't let you sleep, so to speak, in the boat, but God, they awaken you within them and, and speak to you and invite you into whatever it is that's happening in their lives. In that moment, God, may they have that peace that transcends all understanding. Lord, I thank you for your peace. I thank you that you don't hoard it, but God, like you, you did with the disciples, where you, you, you said, my peace I give to you. 
God, I pray that this morning we'd be recipients of that peace. Recipients of that peace. Recipients of that peace. God, I pray even for the person, God, who's, who, who's just been in knots. God, I pray, Lord, that, that today, God, tonight when they lay their head on, on their bed and maybe just in the past, God, for the past several months, all they've known is, is anxiety and, and just fear. God, when they lay their head on that pillow tonight, I pray in Jesus' name it would be different. That, God, they would know your peace. They would know your peace that transcends all understanding. Jesus, we love you so much. Help us to stay anchored in you. Help us to stay enveloped in your peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Walk in the peace of God. Walk in the peace of God. Go in the peace of God today. Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. And uh, I just want to remind you that uh, after the service, we are going to have a little party out there for all of our grads. And so we have a bunch of cake. Uh, we have tuxedo cake. We have chocolate cake. We have cheesecake filled with this yummy, fluffy stuff. It's going to be amazing. You want to make sure that you stick around, okay? Um, even if you stick around for a few minutes, we'd love to have you hang out and uh, high-five a grad or two and just let them know how proud we are, okay? Um, join us in singing this last song together. God bless.